Welcome to the Crown Killers. Hail and well met adventurers. It's Aaron here, your DM from D&D Valiant Odyssey. Calling at you from the dungeon with the Crown Killers. I have Shavi, I have Drew, I have Jusui, and I have Key. Okay, so at that, you guys had recently arrived at Mediterry, and in doing so, you spent some time at the Black Tide Tavern, you beat each other up, you met an old friend by the name of Milo who informed you that Felix was dead. You then made to make a withdrawal from the bank that uh, Jasui had money at, given his uh, heritage in the place, and you saw Monfrey, your brother, and Redessa Reed, the pirate captain of the Crimson Wing, in which had delivered you to this place, the husband and wife duo. It was at that point you quickly escaped the scene with the Crown Corsair now knowing that something had happened to his loot that he has to tithe to Demos Tortuga, the devil turtle in the Bay of Demos. You slipped away in darkness with a plan to reunite with Monfrey and Rodessa at your given location. As you begin to make your way through the city streets, I'd like you all to make stealth checks, please. Have we still got... Is it still passing without trace? It is trace? still passing without trace. 39, thank you, sir. Just we. Take a 22. Ooh. 25. I, I am ro- now a sneaky boy. <laughs> I rolled a 2, and I'm still a 20. <laughs> oh, man. So throughout the city, as you begin making your way from building to building, ducking under hovel and sail wherever you go, with fishnets hiding you from the various different Crown Corsair guards... Just uh, interjecting real quick. Sorry, I have taken my ring of disguise off. I am back to looking like just swish. As you look around, you can see various different pirate individuals. The word has definitely spread that they are on the lookout for something or someone that had taken a lot of money from the Crown Corsair. You begin to head northwest. Are you crossing the port bridges to get there as there is quite a lot of water in along the way? Uh, the port is between you and the lighthouse that you seek, or are you making a wide berth around to the slummish districts of the area? I say wide berth. I am inclined to follow the kids. I agree. Smart move. Keep ourselves out of choke points. Give ourselves options. You are pleasantly surprised by how easy it is to sneak through as the buildings here are quite large and most of them are warehouse-like, which means there are worker personnel here and doesn't appear to be any presence of the Crown Corsair pirates. It's at that point you begin moving and weaving your way through as wagon after wagon of different kind of merchantile goods begin being transported into these different warehouses. You finally make your way north and the ascent up onto this rocky outcropping is pretty difficult. The stairs made of marble and white seem to weave their way through the mountain naturally. And as you get to the top and you look out to sea, you can see it gives you a vast view of the Demos Bay. You can see various different ships making their way through the sea, all of them flying the same flag of the Crown Corsair that seems to allow them passage. You look in the bay, it's calm and still, but you know what resides underneath those waters. Dun, dun. Directly in front of you, as you stand on this rocky outcropping, the four of you emerging. You see a 20-foot statue of what looks like a woman. She has long brown hair, although you wouldn't be able to tell because it's white marble. She has long hair down to the middle of her back. You can see she's got her hands in an open gesture that seems to be cupping in front of her. And on her back, you can see wings and a long 
gown that seems to caress her toes. And she looks out to sea. Ooh la la. As you say that and you look at her, you can see an inscription on like a brass plate. Is that written in common? It is written in Elvish. What's he say? You walk up to it, Josui, and you can see that it says, Upon angels' wings where the sky meets the sea, the fire of hope burns ever brighter. And I relay that to the the boys. I speak Elvish. Yep, you read it too. Roll a history check, please, Josui, with advantage. 16. The words angels' wings, it is referring to a name, a name familiar to you. You feel like this is a nexus or a communication point. The message left in Elvish for elves on the ground. As you look at it and touch it, you get this aura, this sense of magic that you haven't felt since you were up there amongst the clouds. You take your hand off it. You stand for about 10, 15 minutes together just looking out at the horizon. And it's at that point You'd all hear a twig snap behind you and you turn to see the beautiful figure of Rodessa Reed. Her white billowing top. You can see tight leather pants that go down into boots and she seems to house a blade at her side. And next to her holding her hand is someone you haven't seen in quite a while, Jusui. You can see Monfrey. His hair brushed down to one side, covering his eye. You can see he's wearing a very uh, pompadourish hat. You can see it's sort of tipped to one side and massive feather out one side. You can see he's wearing a leather vest. He's got a rapier to his side and he looks towards you all and he says to you, Jusui, Ah, the company you keep, brother. They certainly make you look very beautiful. And says you wearing the hat. Well, I feel like it highlights my natural features, extends the sunshine off my cheekbones. How do you do? And he walks up to you and gives you a big hug. Big hugs all around, back slapping, all that good jazz. He points points (laughs) towards your heart and he says... I knew it would lead you home. When Rodessa told me that she found you, I was I was very pleased. And you watch as he gives you two kisses, one on each cheek. Well, it's uh, not very hard to find someone that is uh, tracking you down. It uh, seems that fate has brought us together again. And I, same thing, kiss each cheek. He looks towards you and he says, I am not tracking you down, but uh, my boss, he has your number now. Well, not uh, your number, but somebody I assume was you. Surely, brother, I do not uh, do not know what you are talking about. I have lived with you for quite some time. Grown up with you, in fact, been part of your exploits. Are you here to tell me that the uh, robbing of the Krankose Mint had nothing to do with you and your rascally crew? I am here to tell you that I did rob no such thing. Every single cent that I took was belonging and beholden to the Undu family. I if- do not disagree. They wanted to take uh, 50%. I was not comfortable with that. They didn't want to bargain. We had a little bit of a fight, and then it came out to about the uh, 23%, I think, uh, was the uh, final take that uh, your your master took. He is my boss, yes, but I would not call him my master. It is a relationship of necessity. Now, and you hear, as he says that, Redessa chimes in, and she says, If... Uh, you two are done with uh, measuring yourselves. I believe we are here for business. This is all. Uh, this is all business. Um, my friend, do you, would you like uh, to maybe take this uh, somewhere a little bit more private? Are you talking to your brother? Yeah. He says, "Ah, of course. I believe we have much to much to reminisce over. I've also brought you a very fine wine that I think you will enjoy." 
excellent, you know, introductions all around uh, mm-hmm. to Shavi Littlefoot. Drew Ede. She says, excellent, and goes in for a kiss. To Monfrey. Monfrey, as you do so, he'll kiss you on both cheeks. Yes. Our strange folk over here are key. It is a pleasure, key, to meet your acquaintance. I remove my hood and I stroke my hair and I say, it's a pleasure to meet you too. Trying to be as amiable as possible. All right, he will make his way. Just notices and and gives Kia a quick nod. There is a step down that leads into the front of this uh, angel-like figure that's cupping a a hand towards the open ocean and you move in front of her as the rest of the party stays behind. He looks towards you, Monfrey, his golden eyes shining in the sun, and he says, Brother, the sight of you warms my heart. I have not seen family in quite some time. The same. It has been uh, far too many books. Please, tell me, what brings you to these shows of piracy? What, what do you grace our presence with? What brings you home? I need you to get a message to the Enclave. I need them to know that there is an evil that has permeated back into the world. I do not know how... With the history of this land you are these days, but uh, an evil force, a man, Delnak, the outcast, has, uh, well, he's taken over Cadmia, and uh, I have been asked to get this message to help. I have been paid to get this message for help. I would uh, very much love to assist you in this, brother, but um, unfortunately, like you, I have been cut off from above, banished, so to speak. I have been outlawed for defending you in your pursuits to implicate the Livisage family of the mother of Fleur, our dear sister. Told you that was my fight. You were not to get involved. I am not going to let our sister rest without finding the true killers. You have ignited a fire within me, brother. I was not going to let it be extinguished by your disappearance. Disappearance? It was not a disappearance. I was told. Leave. I was also told to leave. Look, we are fighting the same fight. I know that contacting our allies above, which we still have some of, it is possible, but I have not been able to decipher the clue that is given me. This angel holds the key. I was sent away with nothing. They took my possessions, everything that is on my back, I collected from this plane. I think in order to contact them above, you need to commune with something from above. Were you able to take anything, brother? I took the dagger. The dragon stood there. Father's prized dagger. We. Oh my goodness, yes we. I don't think he will weapon you back with open arms after he knows this. Look, the dagger we can try. I do not have it. The fuck? It was stolen from me by a halfling. Not this one, another one. I've been rolling with this halfling and and through whatever you want to describe him as. Because I thought this halfling took it, but this halfling is, uh, how you say, special. This one is sharp and painful and will leave you disemboweled. Nothing else. You have nothing from above. We, we don't. I have this and I pull out a candle and it's the candle that I, ca- that I cannot light. He takes it and he holds it. And you watch as he clicks his fingers and tries to light it. And it doesn't work. He says, 
It is useless. A piece of shit. Where did you get it? I do not remember. I had it when I came to this plane. Well, it is from above. Perhaps we can try. After all, upon angel's wings, where the sky meets the sea, that is this place. That is the angel. The fire of hope burns ever brighter. Candles make fire. Flames produce hope. I look up. And I go, ahead. Let us put the candle in our hands and see what happens. Well, would you like me to climb or do you want a fucking boost? Get Sorry. up here, Jasui. And I go to jump up the uh, the statue to the hands. Acrobatics and check. Acrobatics check. 15. 15 is enough. You uh, jump onto the creases of her marble gown and you end up getting to her uh, right angled bent elbows and you walk along her forearms and you are now standing in the open palms of this woman. As you look up to her face, it is an incredibly well-carved statue. You can see the lines of age and sorrow in her face as she looks out to sea. And you can see her face is almost angled upwards, almost sort of looking at the horizon line or the sky as she does. What would you like to do? And I, uh, I place the candle in her outstretched hands. Okay. As you kneel down to do so, you place the candle down onto the marble. As soon as it does so and touches, you watch this blue light appear on the candle. <laughs> Monfrey says, Ah, je suis. Très bien. This blue flame begins to grow larger and larger and larger. And as it does so, uh, I need you to roll a dexterity save for me, please. 13. Okay, so as you do, you roll along the forearm and you watch as this blue fire light just rips a horizontal line of arcana just through the atmosphere. And as it does so, you watch as this blue sphere begins to emanate. And as it does so, it almost looks like a flaming portal that leads <coughs> down a plug hole. That's a gateway. That's cool. Shall we, uh, shall we all make the trip? Hell yeah. Are we allowed there? Who gives a shit? Everybody else gathers around Monfrey at this point and Monfrey looks towards you and says, ah, they're way back home. Jesuit, do you know what this means? This, I feel, is uh, half of a two-way trip, my friend. I do not think they will let us stay. It would be great to rest my eyes on the palace again. Let us go, I am sure. Mother would be very pleased to meet your lovely bride. Odessa, and you watch as he holds out an arm and she comes and grabs his hand. You all go? Hell yeah. yeah on the other side, go, yeah. I run through and I do a cannonball. <laughs> you watch as uh, Shavi runs through. That may not have been a good idea. <laughs> I'm I, doing I, it. As I like <laughs> bail straight after him like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, you watch as the, the arcana just plops like the dangerous little teardrop has entered as Shavi enters through. <laughs> just where you quickly follow after, followed by Drew. Drew just slaps his forehead. Here we go again. Moves straight through. He um, puts his hood back on and twirls out his um, quarterstaff, but uses it as a walking stick and uh, strolls through. All right. As you begin strolling through, you also watch as Monfrey and Rodessa walk along hand in hand. He gives a look to her and she to him. She kisses him on the cheek and they both walk through together. I'll put my hand out for uh, Monfrey's hand as if just he feels like my hand. <laughs> you poke your hand through the other side, this green hand just waving come on you feel somebody grab your hand as he grabs out a pull away and say sorry I've got a girlfriend 
waiting for it. <laughs> Inspiration. <laughs> As this blue arcane light surrounds your vision, swirling into the depths of wherever, you feel your gut pulled upwards and you start to feel lighter than air. Ground, your feet meet solid ground. As they do so, your eyes become and return to normal. And looking around, you can see white pearlescent buildings that spire up into the distance. You can see a swirl of purple and blue in the sky, almost as if the atmosphere is arcane in its own self. You can see various clouds beginning to filter through like water in an oil painting. As you look towards the pathways, you can see that most people seem to uh, hover along the ground as they begin walking. You can see these large steel-like structures emanating in between the pearlescent structures. There doesn't appear to be very much foliage around here, but as you look around and you start to appear, you look behind you and you can see an immediate statue replica of the one that you'd just come from. You can see the candle still in her hand, but this one is normal human size. It's at that point you can see that this is one of many that stand in a ring around a central nexus point that you can see glows incredibly arcane blue. And it appears once you are all through, the portal created sucks back into the nexus and the candle returns to being deilluminated. I grabbed the candle. That's badass. Take it and pocket it. A individual of elven nature begins making their way towards you. You can see he's got very tanned skin. He's got blonde hair that goes all the way down to his shoulders. And you can see he's got purple eye makeup on that makes his eyebrows look extremely big and flow beyond his face. As he begins walking towards you, you can see he is wearing this arcane armor that seems to be like a breastplate, but there's like neon blue through it that looks like it's sort of arcanely charged. You watch as well as he's got this crossbow attached to his wrist and you can see that there are some arcane bolts in there but it seems to be almost like energized in a way. And as he makes his way towards you, you watch as he like holds out a hand and points the crossbow towards you all and Monfrey and Rodessa just put their hands up. Crossbow points towards you and all and says, It is the betrayers. Back again. You are banished. You should not be here. Uh, Roll a history check. (laughs) Monfrey puts his hands up and he says, Friend, we are just here to talk to somebody in our family. It will be very quick. You don't recognize this individual, but it seems like your very presence, your arcane signature is known upon immediate arrival. Look him dead in the eye and I say, I must talk to the head of the intelligence wing of the Foreign Legion of Angels. This is of utmost importance and you will carry my direct request immediately who do you think you are you haven't been here for years you don't know the runnings of Almira anymore you are a surface dweller nothing more you will take this request immediately if it is found out that you have not taken this request things will happen and you will not like them roll a persuasion or intimidation check your choice Monfrey will also stand up to him and say Look, he has been my brother for many years. You do not want to get on his bad side. Uh, You can get advantage because he's helping you. That's good. 18 for persuasion. Okay, so as you look at him, arcane bolt on his wrist just begins to charge and you watch as he releases his elbow, like uncocks it, pointing it to the sky. We are more than prepared to wait exactly where we are and not intrude any further onto this realm, but you must carry my message immediately. He walks away. He turns to you and he says as he is walking away, I'll fetch the leader of the foreign angels. Whether he comes, that would be up to him. Oh, he'll be here. A few minutes pass. 
people begin to move by and through and you see other guard-like individuals pass you and see you guys and give you curious looks, especially the ones that aren't elves, parting through the crowd, moving with an entourage of three other individuals, the leader of the Foreign Legion of Angels. You can see his dark cropped hair seems to be militaristically cut sharp in its nature. You can see two sideburns that come down into points, no facial hair clean, and you can see he's got these deep blue eyes on this pale white skin. You can see he's got this black cloak that billows behind him as he walks and he emanates a presence. As he walks through, he's athletically built, but not incredibly muscular and ripped. As he walks through, you can see he's got his hand on some sort of weapon at his hilt, and he walks with a little bit of a um, with a stride as he does so. He makes his way up. As he stops, makes his way to you, and he just slightly, but noticeable to you just where he bows his head in a 45 degree, like tops it. My heels click together aggressively, and this goes over chest over like over the heart and slight bow at the waist as he rocks up you watch as Monfrey does it but in a more sarcastic sort of way takes off his hat and does it well and then stands back up as well and he says oh your grace you watch then as this individual stands looks at you both raises an eyebrow at Monfrey and then you Monfrey and Rodessa seem to be in front of the rest of the party you watch as he clicks his fingers you see this this fishbowl like energy move around you as it does so it sucks you guys into an immediate presence and for those of you outside all you hear from now on is <laughs> for those of you inside you hear every single word he says je suis undu you have returned it must be for an extremely good reason commander delphine as per some very old orders whether or not they still stand i am unsure of but i am following them to the letter i was told in my exile to keep my ears and eyes open for any threat to this plane of existence. He holds up a hand to you and he says, I am aware of your mission. It still stands. You know, as high elves, especially in the Foreign Legion, we watch and we are patient. We commend you for your dedication to this command post. It seems the surface has indeed treated you well. In a fashion, sir? Not much has changed up here in terms of culture. They're still unwilling to help the surface dwellers. In fact, they are moving even further away. There are talks that this city will no longer reside on this plane at all. That may be for the best, sir. Uh, there is a presence that has uh, permeated into this plane of existence in Cadmia. A presence not known for... for centuries. Uh, Delnak the outcast. Lostrova was what we knew him as when he rose to power long ago. Has he returned? He has, sir. This is concerning. I would not be able to assume any such towards his plan, sir. All I know is he is very dangerous and uh, I have uh, taken the liberty to uh, deliver this message to you. On request of whom? One Arden Cassian is uh, the head of a odyssey of adventurers and, and heroes, if you will. Once lover of Raedalia. The one in the very same, sir. He nods and says, Piers, that young sprout made a name for himself after all. He has indeed, sir, and uh, I owe him a debt. And uh, I'm here to ask for assistance in whatever capacity they may take. As though I have some uh, 
idea. The matter of Delnak Lestrova. I will bring it toward the council. As if he is indeed attempting what he did in the past. It is a matter not only for this plane, but for all. The next course of action could change the state of Arcana and history for the continent in the future. You have done well. Jusui. I think that I can uh, offer a recommendation to, well, to the council, and they may agree that your services to Almira will allow an exemption from your exile. You may return home. Sir, I must insist that uh, my brother be the one that uh, retain this exemption and return to Almira. I have, you say, unfinished business down on the surface. Very well. With your duty being done, I hereby relieve you of your mission. You may act in accordance with your free will. You may carry the badge of the Foreign Legion of Angels and act in a manner that morally dictates one of such ranking and stature as yourself. Sir, may I uh, ask for reinforcements? I uh, foresee some uh, fights in the future that may need a uh, rapid response team to uh, potentially aid for victory. We have agents that permeating through the continent of Kalimvor. I will center them upon your location, but I cannot spare any above. And selling that toward the council will be quite an ask. Completely understood, sir. Any assistance would be uh, greatly appreciated. They will make themselves known to you. Tell me, where did you hail from? So I know where to send them. So we are in a uh, a den of, of thieves, if you will, by the name of Meritiri. I will make it apparent that they should make their way there post-haste. And Monfrey, I guess the offer of promotion extends towards you yourself. And Monfrey holds up his hand and he says, No, thank you, officer. I have found love on the surface and I do not intend to fucking leave it. He looks towards you looking at him that way, just we, and he says, Sorry, brother. Sir, could I ask a favor? He says, Of course. Would you be able to uh, ask if our mother could come and see us for a quick minute? I can pass on the word. That would be appreciated. But I believe your friends will be welcome here no longer. They will have to return. Monfrey and I and Rodessa will wait and then uh, these three can nick down to the surface. Monfrey and Rodessa leave the Sphere of Silence. And I guess you do too, just we to let your party know. I do place scanner back on. Opens up the portal and you watch as your allies jump back through. Geronimo. You wait about an hour, converse over old times. You talk about mission statements. It's very methodical for a while, but you do see a casual side of this uh, Supreme Commander as your mother begins walking down the alleyway. Would you like to describe her to us, just we? Quite tall. Ageless as uh, as all high elves really are, but... An ageless where you can still tell that she is very old. Platinum white hair on golden coppery skin and walks with the quiet assurance that she knows that everything she says will be obeyed, but she doesn't expect it, if that makes sense. 
very noble, very regal in her bearing. She comes up to you, makes her way towards the Supreme Commander, takes his hand. Does she just grasps it firmly and then lets it go? And you watch as he gives a bow of respect. She looks towards you. And you can see her holding her hands out in front of her. Montfrey just moves straight over to give her a hug. She will just give the one pat. And she says, It is very fond, the feelings I am receiving from seeing you again, Montfrey. He vacates the hug and he says, I have wanted you to meet someone for quite some time. This is my wife, Rodessa. And you watch as they meet each other and you're standing there in the sides. And chuckling. She looks towards you and she opens up both of her hands and says, Yes, we... My boy. And I take both of her hands and we hug. An intense embrace that, uh, you know, 200 years in the making. Mm -hmm. She grabs the back of your head and like runs her fingers through your hair, motherly so. And as she does, she sort of comes back and grabs both of your cheeks and sort of squeezes them. And she says, your eyes, they are your father's. I can see that in you. But they have seen some weary times. It is good to see you, son. It is good to see you as well, mother. She will ask what brings you back here and I'll say that you relay and you have a conversation. She looks towards you as the commander has informed her and she says, I hear that you are allowed to return and you do not wish to do so. One day, one day soon, potentially, but... I have things I must do and I have people that are relying on me to help see them through. Your duty and honor, it is your best quality. When you return, a victorious hero, there will be many suitors lined up. You can finally give me some grandchildren. And I chuckle and shake my head wryly and say, I think you are barking up the wrong tree here. And I look over at Monfrey and Rodessa. You can see them like hugging under a tree. And at that, you guys... Say your fond farewells. And uh, as I hug her goodbye, I whisper in her ear so that nobody else can hear. I tell her to look under the uh, third from the left flagstone outside of, uh, in the courtyard to read the documents that are, that are there. I had told her about it, but that's like all of the research. I hadn't told Monfrey about it either, but that's like all of the research I got on the love is implicating them into the murder. Yep. Um, hadn't told anybody about it, but it's hidden on that flagstone, so I told her to go check that out. All just right. whispered. Yeah. She'll just give you a nod, and in your head you hear a message that says, it will be done. She'd be proud of you, just we. I turn to walk away. Is the Supreme Commander still there? Yeah. Yeah, give him a nice uh, click of the boots and a salute. I walk towards the portal. All right. Monfrey and Rodessa will give it to your mother. And you watch as he he clicks his heels sarcastically towards the Supreme Commander and he'll say to him, Thank you for everything, Supreme Commander, but uh, I do not think I will be returning. So I guess you can take your shiny palace and your accolades and shove them up your ass. And as he says that, he falls back through the portal. Yeah. I like that um, Mama Undo thinks that Jisui doesn't have any kids out there already. <laughs> At this moment, you also fall backwards. You feel that blue pulling back towards reality and as you do come back you are set upon the uh, site as previously described above the city of uh, Medotiri. At that point as Monfrey looks to you and says well that was uh, very interesting so tell me brother now that uh, this is done your mission is complete are you to be heading back to where you came? And I look at Xavi 
And I uh, look at Monfrey and I'm like, uh, brother, we uh, we have some unfinished business with the copper ring. Ah, yes, the copper ring. Uh, there is a massive slave trade here. Shark, he is, uh, he's disagreeable, but um, he's not a bad gentleman. We are going to kill him. Ah, well, no loss. Shavi rubs his hands together and says, let's go. Tell me, what is the purpose, little one, in you wanting to kill this Shark Denver? For he holds very high esteem with the Crown Corsair. Doing so will, uh, you say, ruffle his feathers? First we ruffle Shark's feathers, and then we'll probably tie the... Pay respect to the crackles there as well. <laughs> your friend, he is short, but he's funny. Tell me, brother, how deep does your loyalty ru- run with the crown corset? Oh, let's just say that he has given me a position of power here on this realm. I like uh, shiny things, and it is where I met my wife, but uh, blood is thicker than water, so you say. If there was position, there was uh, potentially his position vacant and uh, someone needed to step in, uh, would you consider that... Oh, there is only one way to uh, take the position of Crown Corsair. The Crown Corsair commands Demos Tortuga. He pays the tithe. He commands the legions of pirate lords. If you want to take his position and therefore command the Devil Turtle of the Seas and thus in return command the army of slaves owned by Shark Denver, then, well, you have to get the treasure from Demos Tortuga. You have to get the treasure that is... uh, is guarded by Demos himself. The heart of the dragon lies in his lair. The only one who knows where it lies. That is the Crown Corsair himself. He has a token, a trinket that proves it. His blade, made of dragon's tooth, cuts through anything. It comes from the turtle. He brought it back centuries ago, proved his worth, beat the last Crown Corsair. He is the pirate king, and he holds that title nobly. They are all loyal to him. Or if they are not, they are gutted and hung in the bay, or there are worse fates. Tied to a ship sent out to sea, made as part of the tide. See, the turtle has to eat too, you know. I have avoided such things. I have kept my nose clean, Rodessa and I. We are Pirate Lords 1 and 3, but there are 15 of us. 15 at his command. 15 vessels, 15 ships, 15 crews, and an army of slaves. You want to take this man down? Good luck. Well, uh, my friends, it seems that our party is set. We are to find Demos Tortuga's lair. If you are going to undertake such a challenge, you should not do so in secret. See... A conniving challenge of power. Although you are among a den of thieves, there is still some honor here. You must confront him directly. Tell him this challenge exists. And in doing so, he will accept or reject. But, and he watches Redessa pipe up and says, he will not reject the challenge. But if he does, he will be seen as a coward. He doesn't want to be seen as a coward. All right, then. So you're saying, yeah, we could challenge him to finding the treasure. And if we are, then that'll declare us. Oh, he has already found the treasure. First, you will probably have to confront him. And his temper is as furious as the storm. And yet, uh, he may be light on his teeth this, uh, this coming time. 
I one. think uh, we potentially have a way to be in front of him regardless. Once you prove your might against him and you can defeat him, then perhaps he will accept your challenge to go and find the treasure of Demos Totugar and take his position as Crown Corsair. Calls himself the Crown Corsair? We call ourselves the Crown, the crown Killers. Killers. Well, I guess it is time to kill a crown. Crown Killers on me. Crown Killers <laughs> on three. One, two, three. Crown, crown Killers! killers. Rodessa and Monfrey look at each other. Look at you do that. And you watch as Rodessa says, Yes, dear husband, they do that every time. <laughs> Monfrey says, well, I guess you grow to like it, maybe? I do not know. Well, you <sighs> grew to like that hat, my brother. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and you watch as they begin walking down the stairs. And he looks towards you guys as well. And he says, oh, and I think it would be better for our sakes, at least. If our allegiance, our conversation remains um, under my poofy hat. Is that okay with you? What conversation? The one we just... Just we and Monfrey do it at the exact same time. Where are you guys going? Why uh, take out the underling when we can chop off the head and control it all, my friend? We can free all the slip. Do we start from the bottom and then go to the top? Will it weaken him? Let's put it to the group. I think that's the most makes most logical sense. Start from the bottom, work our way to the top. There are some pretty confronting slaves as part of the copper ring. Having them by your side would be an advantage. However, if you are to challenge the Crown Corsair and you are fighting with four, he will probably employ some allies too to assist him. They may be taken from his slave army or his pirate captains. It is up to him who he chooses when he accepts your challenge or denies it. So we get Jack first and make our army. Okay. I believe a showing of strength, one such as capturing his first lieutenant and bringing it to him upon the challenge will really show you how you say, um, testicles. We might bring a piece of him. Well, like you. You are very, very, uh, visual. Oh, so, uh, thanks. I like you too, but I, I have a girlfriend, sorry. So, so I have heard. She must be a very, um, visually impaired woman. <laughs> <laughs> but sweet nonetheless, perhaps her compassion outweighs her pride. He has a private room at the Black Tide. He likes to gamble there. It is his vice. So once he makes a sale at the stage, the coppering, he will vacate for a lovely scotch. He will take it upstairs and he and his private crew will engage in fun and revelry, I guess you could say. What are we waiting for? Let us go buy some slaves. I'm always down for fun and revelry. So we... Walk back to the slave market. It takes you about 10-15 minutes to get back across town. And as you do so, you make your way to the very lively slave auction. And you can see that there is a fresh bunch off the boat that seem to be being sold. The largest of which seems to be a lizard folk that seems to be wild in its nature. And you hear the announcer call as he walks up on the stage. He says, now this one here, you can see that he is uh, a lively specimen. But uh, but uh, don't let the teeth fool you, see. This one can be trained with a strong fist. But uh, he will, he'll need some feeding. He'll need some feeding. And you look at this guy that seems to have this pencil mustache, this dark skin, this top hat as he's sort of swinging a cane around on the stage. And he says to you, let's start the bidding here at uh, 1,000 gold pieces. 1,000 gold pieces. Anybody, 1,000 gold pieces, 1,000 gold pieces. To the ugly man in the front, 1,000 gold pieces. Well, as it goes to 3,000, and then it's like 3,000 gold once, 3,000 gold twice, 3,000 to the... What do you look like right now? Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. To the pretty man in the front. He's the sunshine and blonde hair, and you watch his 3,000. 
3,000 gold once, 3,000 gold twice. Everybody else roll perception checks as this is happening. He says, soul to the man. Uh, you get yourself a lizard folk slave. Excellent. The first in your commanding army. Mm-hmm. Perception checks? 23. 9. 25. Okay, so Key and Shavi. As this is going on, you're taking in your surroundings. It is a very crowded space. But you look up to the top floor of the Black Tide Tavern and you can see a, uh, a balcony. And atop that balcony, sitting in a chair, surrounded by slaves of his own, and a large orcish guard with one tusk extremely snapped off, uh, you can see Shark Denver. You see him as being an extremely large man, rotund in his nature, black greasy hair that goes down to his... You've seen him as the man who stabbed the individual uh, for magecraft and hung him over the bay. Over the bay, yeah. Point as you look at him, a slave fills up his wine glass and feeds him some grapes. He is overviewing the proceedings here. So with the lizard folk in your toe, you watch as the next slave comes up, a humanoid female. She begins walking up. You can see she's pretty... um, She's pretty lively and she sort of kicks around as she's being brought up, but you can see she's got like a cross on her neck and you see the announcer say, now this one here was part of the copper ring, but uh, she'd been deemed useless as a slave, but uh, she'd be good at cleaning duties and cooking if that's what you want her for. So uh, let's start the bidding at uh, one gold for this one here. One gold, anybody? One gold. And you watch as everybody starts laughing. Who who am I closest to? Am I next to Jess Wee or? I'd say so because, oh. Probably Drew, actually, because just we was buying at the front row. Just under my breath, already been inside the copper ring. This could be a oh. cheap buy. Can I put my hand up? All right, as you put your hand up for one gold, you watch as everybody laughs at you as you put your hand up, and there's almost a pause as everybody looks your way. You watch as the gentleman next to you that seems to be bold, but he seems to have a very smart vest on. He looks towards you and he says, Don't you know that uh, anybody with a cross through their copper ring tattoo is they're more trouble than they're worth? It isn't worth one gold. You should reconsider your purchase. It's fine. It's at that point, you watch as the announcer says, well, I guess this one's sold to the ugly green man in the uh, in the front. I'll look around because I'm not sure who he's referring to. <laughs> uh, you get your second slave, a humanoid female. And this auction goes on. As she comes towards you chained, she's constantly looking at the ground. So I guess you wait until the auction sort of closes its its doors, having the two slaves that you bought. The the selling occurs and most of them go out of your price range or, or fall flat. But um, yeah. during the end of the auction, you watch as Shark sort of gets himself up. Actually, halfway through, he doesn't even wait for the end, but he gets himself up and walks in to the window. And you watch as the doors close and the slaves follow him through. I want to talk to the lizard man. What do you say? Well met, sir. I'm not, sir. What can I call you then, my friend? Whatever you want, you own me now. Ah, my friend, that is not how I work. You are your own person. You are sentient and intelligent, and I would like to know what you call yourself. Is this a trick? No trick at all. He looks around, curiously, and he says, I am Grootha, but you can call me Ta or Groot. We're going to go with Ta. So Ta, tell me. How did this uh, unfortunate fate befall you? My clan reside in the swamplands around Metotere. We were raided by those people. Points to the copper ring slavers. You see them like pulling in chains and fastening things to wagons. Well, my friend, right now we are planning to go and kill their boss. If I can... Count me in. Will you be loyal? Will you listen? On one condition. The condition? I will help you. 
But after your job is done with me, I would like to be set free to help my clan. Ta, that is the exact conditions that I was going to set myself, my friend. With a small, how you say, dowry to help your clan. Payment. Money we do not need. We live off the swamp. I will need to find them. They fled. I stayed to defend. It may help you with, uh, in the future, with staying hidden and staying out of chains next time. Well, masters, I will oblige your every command. And you can see that he has this long neck that sort of stoops him down a little bit. He's got green scales, a large fin of blue and yellow across the top of his head and very sharp claws and teeth. Does everyone, like, obviously we're all close together, so we all heard that. And the, yeah, and yeah, the female? Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. The Thank female's you. there. She hasn't said anything. She's looking straight at the ground. But for the female, um, I guess I'll talk to you directly and say, when, look here, if you don't mind, we're not going to ask you to fight, but we're interested in- I can fight. In, you can fight? I can fight. When, I was more interested in any information you might be, you might have to be able to assist us, but if you're keen, happy to look at the same offer. Look, you tell me who to stab and I'll do it. I was- And she, I- uh, She'll look at you for the first time. She's got yellow eyes. Key. Roll a perception check based on smell. Uh, as you look towards her and she looks towards you, she says, they, they caught me. I was rummaging through one of the kitchens here. I was hungry. What'd you get? I got a 25. Uh, you smell raw meat on her, but also like a, uh, like a canine-like smell. Hmm. That is an interesting scent you're exuding. It almost smells, I smell dog on you. I smell pussy on you. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I like her. She has spiked. We go and start unlocking their chains and stuff. Okay. I'll say easy enough to do in this time with your thieves' tools. Yeah. There's oh, more that uh, meets the eye with you. Are you... Are you part dog? You could say that. So you said you were hungry. I guess if you're willing to help us, you don't have to worry about being hungry again. Yeah, you got yourself a deal. Welcome to the Crown Killers. This isn't what I was expecting. Always expect the unexpected when you're dealing with us. What do you want to know? Look, we should take this conversation a little bit more private. And you watch as Tart looks at you and says, Yes, there are eyes everywhere. Especially for him. They always look out. Do you want to move into the black tie? Yeah, we'll go in the bar, I think, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You get your booth as per usual. Uh, and as you sit there, now joined by two individuals, I'll say Monfrey and uh, Rodessa have left you for their post yeah. as part of being one of the pirate lords. And in doing so, they sit there and drinks are served to the party, but they only give you four cups. Uh, you watch as the two slaves just sort of sit there. What would you like to say or do? We that- need to keep the uh, idea that you guys are slaves. That's why you're not having... Fine, I'm not hungry yet. We will feed you in time. But we must keep this as you are our slaves and we are the masters. What information can you tell us now about Shark and what goes on? We're looking to get extremely close to him extremely soon. She looks to you and she says, I I haven't had anything to do with him personally, but my last master saw him pretty regularly. He was one of the people that went up to gamble. They do it almost every day. He loves it. But um, from what I can tell, he's gluttonous greedy you could probably buy your way into the table if you have a certain amount of gold or you could stick him where he sleeps do you know where he sleeps 
His room is adjacent to his gambling parlor. He stays here at the tavern as he likes to keep his finger on the beat, but he's usually well protected. What game does he play? Three Dragon Ante. Have I heard of Three Dragon Ante? Have uh, any of us? Roll a pop culture check. <laughs> <laughs> history? history? Actually, you tell me what you would like to roll in order to figure this out. I'll roll an insight. Insight? 21. You can roll history or insight or... Yeah. 21. Insight. Three Dragon Ante is a variation of Lies Dice. So if you've heard of Lies Dice before, if not, it is a, uh, a game where you throw varying size dices and you have to determine, oh, sorry, D6s, and you have to determine uh, how many of a particular number you have. And the idea is to bluff your opponent. I played that game. Yes. Shall we uh, buy our way in? I think if we buy our way in, then we might find we have a, we might be able to find if we have a good chance to then, you know, go him. If we don't, then we can just wait till he goes to sleep anyway. At least we'll be able to keep an eye on him. I agree. We can uh, look at our odds when we go in there. It's all. It's good to know that with his weaknesses is gluttony and yeah. gambling. You know another one of his weaknesses? He's proud. He doesn't think anyone's stupid enough to do what you're about to do. Which says that, you know, when he goes to sleep, he probably wouldn't be expecting a knife to find its way into his back. Well, maybe... Uh one of us uh, buys, our way, buys our way into the game and uh, waits for him to go to sleep and uh, gives a signal. I put my hand up to buy myself in the game. I've got a lot of um, tricks up my sleeve. As long as we've got like a signal or something you can signal in case things go bad. Uh, what would be your advice there? Uh, Perhaps one of you wait, join the table, the rest of you hide in his room, jump him in his sleep. All of his personal guard are by his side. His room's guarded by the usual mechanisms, locks, arcane devices, maybe one or two people, but short work for all of you, I'm sure. So maybe whoever's best at breaking and entering should go into the room. Whoever can uh, hide their facial features and insights, that's who should play the game, or maybe someone with some experience in the game. Tar says, I'm just good at breaking things. So perhaps bodyguard for player would work for me. That's not a bad idea as a slave. I guess between Key and Jisui, one of you. And uh, I shall break into the room. I like it. I, I look at Tar and I'm like, I uh, do not think we need to arm you, my friend. No. But, uh, but it I, would help. <laughs> oh, well. I have a spare set of armor. And I've got a short sword that I'll give him. You watch as he takes this and sort of dresses himself in this armor and it's almost like a vest. He ties the front, puts this belt around his side and sheaths the short sword after looking at it in the light. Sheaths it. He sort of looks down and he says, I think I hit the jackpot. And then I uh, pulled two daggers that I've got in my bag as well. She takes them, flicks them around her hands and grabs them. She goes, yeah, you're pretty trusting. And then I say to her, that's exactly what I say to her. I'm like, trust me, you won't get far against us. Yeah, probably going to listen to that. And she sticks <laughs> him in her boots. She says, you're really hell-bent on, hell on doing this. Absolutely. My life was over as of, well, three days ago when they caught me, so second chances are great. Yeah, so I'd say Key and Tar would go up first and we'd just stealth in later. Let's go make some sushi. So you need to make your way up the stairs down to the very end room. It's the last door on your right. And it has a golden knocker that has a, a griffin head and the knocker's in the beak. Tar sort of stands by your side, pats you on the shoulder and says, 
I'll keep you safe. I know you will, Tar. Stay close, follow me. All right, you make your way up the stairs. You easily find the doorway that uh, has the brass griffin knocker on it. As you get towards it, you can see that the orcish individual with the snapped off tusk is standing there at guard at the door. As you approach, he holds up a hand and says, Nobody passes. Order of Shark Denver. Private function ahead. But I have uh, 5,000 uh, friends that say I can come in and I show him my uh, buy-in fee. Where did you hear about this game? Everybody that knows something worth knowing knows where about these games. As you say that, you watch as Tar moves steadily closer to you and you feel him tense as he grips on the sword. Don't mind him. He's my security guard. He turns around and opens the door. As he does so, you're left out in the hallway for a quick moment. He pokes his head out again, this orcish individual, and says, You have an audience. Come on, Tar, follow me. So you are met with quite a large room. It's probably 30 by 30 square. You can see two large windows at the top end of the room with a large window in the middle of those two that opens up into the balcony you'd seen him at before. You can also see bookshelves surrounding the left and right-hand side of the room, a large table in the middle, and you can see three people playing, one of them shark, but you do see a mountain of gold in the middle and all of the rest of the chairs having like blank cards, discarded paraphernalia as if players were there, but have been beaten and left. Uh, there seems to be three left and you can see two slaves standing by his back and candles in the corner burning. As you do, you watch his shark stands and he says, I heard that you had three, 5,000 gold. You wanted to buy in, is that correct? I uh, remove my, my cloak, uh, I remove my hood and I roll past, roll back my sleeves and take off my wraps to show that I'm not doing any funny business. I said, I'm ready to play. Let's play. You don't know what you've walked into, cat. You're about to be schooled. I just, shock. I just like to play games. Well, it won't last long. Take a seat. I eagerly uh, walk across like a, like a, a, an addict, a gambling addict. Ah. Your bodyguard most recently purchased from me will need to discard his arms to my green fellow friend. I'm sure you won't mind. Well, I look around and um, does who else has weapons in that room? All of his guards. As far as I can see here, all of your guards have weapons too. Now, how many guards have you got? Well, there are these three, and these two players here will have my back no matter what I call. Then you won't mind if one of my... My only guard has his weapons on him As a show of good faith to join this table, you'll discard his short sword or you will leave. I turn to Tart and I, I give him a nod. He says to you, But I only just got this. Couldn't quite attach to it. I send him a... Um, I gave it a fucking name. <laughs> Do as I say, slave. And I wink uh, at him. You watch as he takes the short sword out and he throws it. As he throws it, it hits the wall on the other side and you watch as they all sort of take a step back and you watch his shark just like, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I hope you didn't pay too much for him. <laughs> you you want to sit around and talk about transactions or you want to play? Oh, we'll be discussing transactions. One's in my favor, hopefully. Pour this kitty a drink and you watch as you are seated and the chair is tucked in for you and Tar like pushes the slave away and tucks in your chair for you. It's at that point as well, you watch as wine is poured for you. Shark says, I am Shark Denver, proprietor of the Copper Ring. 
and I'm quite a big deal here in Metateri. You've obviously heard of me. You want a piece of the bait. Don't want a piece of this coin. Yes, well, speaking of, present your wares. 5,000 is buy-in, but for you, make it a cheeky 10. 10,000? Yes, 10. That's okay. I'll do 5,000 now and put 5,000 in credit. <laughs> ah, you're brash. I like that. Roll a persuasion check. Six. Says, Look, I like your gumption, cat. I turn back and I say we have an accord. You hear Tar say to you, I trust you. I trust me too. Tar. As cards are dealt, you, they start to be flicked and shuffled. Wine is poured for you. You watch as the pot begins to get piled in. Uh, you can see the other two players there, an Arakokra and also what looks like a gnome, a smaller individual. An Arakokra? An Aaron Kokra, yeah. <laughs> Aaron. No, that's the eagle person, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Bird person. So as that game begins, probably taking about 10 to 15 minutes for that interaction to occur. Downstairs, we cut to and the rest of the crown killers. You guys begin to wait as you watch your feline friend make their way up the stairs with your lizard folk slave. What would you three like to do? Give it a few minutes and yeah. then make our way upstairs. The, the stairway, is that like closed off so no one can see if we're going between we still have room. the top and We still bottom? have a room here though. So we, yeah. us going upstairs isn't... It's not a weird thing. No. no. Yeah. Are there any windows into this room? Yeah, there are three. One leads out onto his balcony where his fat ass sits and watches the slave auctions and the other two are right next to it, but they lead straight into his playing room game hall. There's also a window to his bedroom directly, but it's usually guarded by an arcane spell. Any of you dispel magic? I'm not sure if I have dispel magic. We couldn't get to the balcony in without going past the gambling table? You can get into the balcony. And that, will that get us in his room? I mean, you can sneak in through the windows, but what you do from there, that'll be up to you. Maybe you can go in through the roof. I don't know. Are you any of your carpenter? Got a hole in the thing? <laughs> there I do have dispel magic. We could always um, just try and wait either on the balcony or on the roof until we hear the game end. And that way, in case something goes bad, we can jump in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. We wait on the roof. Yeah, I think we'll do that. I might cast Pass Without Trace before we do that. Good idea. So you begin stealthing. You're out into the alley and just we starts pointing to the places where he beat the shit out of Key. <laughs> All of you begin making your way up onto the roof and you travel your way over to the balcony that overlooks the slave auction. At this point, it's starting to get to dusk, uh, nighttime, and you're starting to see the shadows appear. You make your way onto the balcony and you can hear the soft voices coming through the windows below you and you can also see what looks like two humanoid guards that are positioned looking outwards. Uh, they don't seem to have noticed you yet, but I'll get you to roll stealth checks as you come up. 23. 33. So seemingly undetected at this stage, you all like... Scooby-Doo, pop your heads over the side and can see in, looking upside down at what's going on inside. And you see this extremely rotund man sitting in a high-backed chair. You see Key sitting at the table, your large lizard folk friend and two other individuals betting with three slaves pouring wine. Shark holds up a glass and as he does so, he says, It is customary before every game to cheers and drink to good fortune. Shall we? Well, if you have any ginger ale, I'll have I'll cheers. Unfortunately, it's only wine. Well, then this is purely aesthetic. Then I will cheers you, but I will not drink. He puts it down and he says, disappointing and a symbol of bad luck, but all the same. First hand, shall we? We are playing three dragon ante. Should I explain the rules to you? By all means. Well, what you need to do is match pairs of cards. And if you match the pairs of cards, the more you have, the better chances you are of winning. The cards have a particular value. The higher ones are obviously more lucrative to have. Is this, are you following? What kind of cards are we? Which uh, Playing cards. Playing cards. I didn't get your name, Master. 
You can call me Jonah. Jonah it is. So let's just get on with it, shall we? You watch as he puts uh, a thousand of his own gold into the pot. You watch as the Aracocra calls, the gnome calls, and they all look towards you. I will put in a thousand. All right. So as you do that, you watch as cards are dealt, each one in front of you, and you get four. Uh, I'll get you to roll four D6s, please. You're looking for pairs. Triples are better. Quadruples are way better. If you have like a high six, that's like a high six as, as one is, is good too, but the gnome immediately folds. You watch as the Aracocra taps the table and slides in 200 more gold. I will, uh, what reaction um, do I get from him looking at Roll this Roll an card? insight check. 11. He is almost like a statue as he looks towards you. The only thing you can see is the large double chin underneath him just sort of heaving <laughs> in and out as he breathes. And you can hear him like a whistle. Like You can hear it across the room as it's silent. Heavy man. I will call the existing bet. Yep, so you add 200 in. Yep. Okay, and he will look towards the party and he'll say, let's amp it up, shall we? And you watch as he puts in another thousand gold. Will you be calling? The Aracocra folds immediately. You watch his cards drop and he's just like, ah. Mm. Key takes a moment as he takes in the uh, the bet and uh, has a bit of a look around and looks at Tar. How's Tar looking at the moment? He's just watching. He seems okay. Uh, Key sort of strokes his chin. He raises 2,000 on top of. So- well, 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 you did come to play. I'll call you, Cat. I'll call you. You watch as he puts in another 1,000. I guess it's time for us to call. I have... A pair of threes. So is is this the part where he like straight up says what he has or? No, this he, is he could be bluffing, bluffing or he could be telling yeah. the truth. Because after this, there's another round of betting. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say that I have three fives. Roll a deception or persuasion check, depending on which one it is. I got a natural one. Okay. He looks towards you and he says, I've heard of beginner's luck before, but I doubt you have three fives out of four die. I'll raise 500 more gold. At this moment, I know I've, I've won, but I'm taking my time and just sort of resting back in my chair, looking really sort of concerned, scratching my head. And I look at what I have left. I then sort of reluctantly push in my remaining 1,000. Oh, it's it. going to be a quick game, is it, Cat? Well, fair enough. Look, Jonah, you wanted to throw your money away. You could have gone to the whorehouse down the road. Reveal your cards. I revealed that I've got three fives and a two. Ah, you watches his eyes open and his mouth does too. He reveals a pair of threes and he says to you, well played. Seems I've got a match on my hands. I haven't been challenged like this for quite some time. Another hand. Give me a chance to win back my gold. What do you say? Oh, I can give you a chance, all right. Very well. And you watch as the cards are shuffled once again. The pot is claimed, so you get it slid your way. And you watch then as the gnome looks around and says, um, I'm, I'm skid shock. I'm going to have to go. And you watch as he looks towards the gnome and says, well, I'll see you next week, Waji. Look, it just wasn't your day. You watch as Waji begins to leave and he's cursing under his breath. He's like, I'm fucking shocked. I'm getting one day, you stupid motherfucker. And he exits the door. Can we hear any of that from the roof? You can hear all of it. Excellent. The Aracocra, and you look at his pile, it's getting thin. And it's at that point where he sort of slides over a thousand dollar buy-in and he's only got like 500-ish gold left. Will you be playing the thousand buy-in or shall we up the ante? What's up the ante? Five thousand buy-in. Five thousand blind? Yes. Look to the Aracocra, old. Can you afford 5,000? 
shakes head. It would be unfair if we made it that high if he can't play. He, he can be gone. He, I'll play with him next week. He clearly wants to play. Are you a charitable man or are you here to play cards? There's I'm no sorry. place for compassion at this table. I'm sorry, my friend. He, he has a point. I stand to win more money playing Ooh. against him. We will play a higher blind. My apologies. You watch as the Arakoko leaves. Let's play. 5,000 gold in. He actually does it in the form of 50 platinum. He's never actually seen platinum before. Yeah. Without making out that I've never seen that before, I push in my 5,000. We will roll. Let's go, baby. He looks towards you and he says, Oh, you are beat this time, Jonah. I will put in another 5,000 gold pieces. Can I roll an insight check? You sure can. You have to beat a 21. I can't beat that. Deal trap once again. He's looking at you behind half-closed eyes this time. He takes a sip of his wine and puts it on the table. And he says to you, Gotta play big to win big. Isn't that right? Jonah. And he's saying it more and more sarcastically every time. Can't disagree with that. What are you implying? If you make this call, I will draw you four extra cards. Won't that give you an opportunity to roll an extra four cards? Yes. What if I don't want you to? Make you- the bet. I will call you five, but I insist that we don't need to roll any more cards. Very well, it is your loss. I guess it is time to reveal. Tell me, where do the cards lay for you, Jonah? They lay pretty good. Roll a wisdom saving throw. I rolled a nat 20. <laughs> you feel this presence begin to enter your mind. Oh, he's a cheater. And it's at that moment you feel invaded like you had once before when Delnak had been in there. You immediately push it out and you watch as one of his eyes gives away something for the first time. He twinges. And as he twinges, he looks towards you and says, Reveal. And there is an arcane compulsion for you to do so. But you break it. And you watch as Tar sort of grips the back of your chair a little bit harder. Feeling the presence and the tenseness in this interaction. What do you do as you break that arcane lock on you? I'm going to raise. So I'll I'll push all in with 2-4. As much as I would love to accommodate, I know when I'm beat. Take the pot. I don't hesitate. And I drag it all towards me. Two hands in a row. I've not been beaten like this in ten years. Jonah, tell me, what are you doing upon the morrow? Why do you ask? I'd like to invite you back. I'm sure the rest of my friends would like to take my money off of you. (laughs) Well, I do like to play games. I do know when to leave. I start packing the coins. Oh, no, no. No, no. And you watch as he clicks his fingers and two of the slaves, the orcish individual from outside, comes in, closes the door, and you hear it lock. Did I not mention there was an exiting fee? (laughs) My apologies, Key. Key? Yes. I believe that is your name. Not by choice. He stands. And you watch as the visage is dropped. You can see what once was a greasy-haired man, rotund in his form, changes to what looks like a Aquian-looking individual with rotund cheeks, a greenish-looking belly, and a vest that seems to go on his his uh, shoulders. You can see he's got a large fin on top of his head, and on his where his legs would be, you can just see a swirl of water, and you just hear this... <laughs> 
he exudes this incredible magical aura around him. He looks towards you and he says, I thought it only prudent that I reveal myself as you are now revealed. I, I, I stand up and I do say I am key. And I still keep moving the coins. Tyre is holding the bag of holding for you as well and helping you in this manner. You watch as it all gets into the bag. Your invitation for tomorrow night? Still open? Well, when I extended that invitation, I expected you to play one more hand. Now I know that you're leaving without paying the fee. How much is the fee? You know what? How about you? How about you stay? Roll a wisdom savings, right? 18. As he jets himself up to the surface and he says, I think you should. The water around him begins to swirl and as it does so, emanating in front of him about 10 feet is this water form that seems to writhe up and start to have these two arms of its own. He says, you see, you might not be able to see some of my friends, but you don't get into a position like mine without some help. And at that, you watch as this water elemental streams forward, gushing towards you with a force of water like no other. It is at that point as you feel a thick arm on your shoulder push you into the wall five feet away and looking around you also see Tar taking the brunt of this force. You see this water just swirl around his person and as he does so he takes a beat. He leans down while the water's still torrenting towards him and picks up his short sword and he says, Run. Tar, I'm not leaving you. We roll initiative. That does it for this week's episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. We want to thank you for sticking around for this installment. And before we let you go, we want to give a very special shout out to one of the amazing cast members of the Odyssey. Xavi Littlefoot, played by Maddie Mustard, has a birthday. And we want to wish him the best on one more year around the sun. So thank you for all you do for our podcast. Thank you very much for being a part of our show. And we wish you all the best to you and your amazing family. Without further ado, guys, you be valiant and we'll catch you next week.